Welcome back to Autolux.net. I'm your host, Everett, of this brand new Autolux Autopod. This week, we're going to be looking at the takeover and emergence of the Crosstrek Marketplace. Autolux.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Now, Crosstrek Marketplace is what we're going to be talking about today on Autolux.net Autopod. Please keep watching or listening to our Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Google+, and www.autolux.net for all updates, everything Autolux from the industry, corporate websites, and rate them yourselves. Autolux.net, bringing you the automotive world right to your screen. I'm your host, Everett, and this week, like I said, we are looking at the Crosstrek Marketplace. The Crosstrek Marketplace is something that actually has been around for a lot longer than most people think. Most people think Crosstreks or trekking models, they start thinking back to the early 2000s. Subaru Impreza, Crosstrek XV, or Fiat 500 trekking models, Panda Trekking, things like that. They start thinking late 90s, early 2000s, Crosstreks really started coming into play. No, actually you're incorrect. If we want to take a look back at the original Crosstrek, we can go as far back is the beginnings of the automobile because really the initial automobile they were go anywhere vehicles built for all terrains but they still classified them as cars coupes convertibles but they went off-road and by today's classification for vehicles that would actually classify them into the cross track slash trekking marketplace yes the original model t by today's standards would be a cross track model the only other thing that it could classify as today because there is no plastic body molding and there's no standard lower version of it would be a crossover utility vehicle because it can go just about anywhere. It's still classified as an automobile. Yeah, we get it. Everything's classified as an automobile, but that's all they classified them as back those days. Eventually, the car term did come into play and people started calling things with two doors the coupe model, which eventually spawned into sports cars in the 1920s. But before that, cross-track models really were nothing ever heard of. The actual first models that you can really consider as cross-track models, you have to date yourself all the way back to the last final days of America's number four car maker, AMC, or as it was called back then, American Motors Corporation. Yes, they once owned Jeep, and like Jeep, and like Audi did with the Quattro, well, AMC saw a marketplace for an all-wheel drive system within a vehicle, and they also saw a marketplace that needed a brand new niche, a niche of a vehicle that you can put your family into and bring them out to camp without any worries of ground clearance. Yes, we're talking about the AMC Eagle SX4. The Eagle nameplate was eventually used under the Chrysler profile after they bought the ill-fated AMC brand right before they went bankrupt. Kind of funny, huh? Uh, they go bankrupt and, well, AMC dies out too. Might have been something you could have dodged there. Dodge. But the AMC Eagle actually brought into the world the version of a cross track. Why? Because this is just a standard sedan, wagon, even a coupe model of a vehicle that was already built for standard street ground clearance. You can go over basically a speed bump and that's about it. Hit a pothole. But no, the AMC Eagle lifted that and said, hey, I want to take this coupe out into the backwoods. I want to buy this brand new vehicle and I'm 18 years old back in 1981, like a lot of boys did. Well, 
even females, did back then. They went out and their first vehicle was actually a vehicle of two doors, not four. It was a coupe. Everybody wanted a coupe because they all thought coupes meant I own a sports car. Even though it's not a sports car, it's a coupe. They still thought it was cool. Well, just take a look back in the 80s and see what everybody thought was cool. I don't know about you, but a Buick Park Avenue or Buick Regal as a two-door is really nothing that cool. Same with the original Cavalier. That horrible boxy thing. This two-door was not a cool coupe. But people still bought them in droves. This is a 24 model. Gave it an aftermarket appearance that anyone would want to drive. The AMC Eagle SX4 kind of did that for the Eagle brand. It gave them a coupe profile that can go off-road. This is actually something that today still hasn't been taken back because people today don't buy coupes or convertibles. And sports cars, well, until Ferrari releases their go-anywhere soft-roader, which they say is not a CUV, but essentially is a CUV, but we'll have to wait until the design comes out because it could be, in a sense, a brand new entry into the cross-track niche of vehicles. Now, AMC soon would demise and fall to the Chrysler Corporation. And with that, the fall of the Eagle lineup died out. Yes, Chrysler decided not to keep the Eagle lineup. Hell, they decided to keep the name and turn it into the Eagle brand. Now, with that, they moved it forward, making, well, basically any Chrysler Plymouth model into an Eagle brand, utilizing Mitsubishi stuff and adding it into an Eagle brand. Mitsubishi did keep the Eagle platform, which they helped co-develop with AMC and keep it going for a few years. But unfortunately, people were starting to lose interest in go-anywhere vehicles. But one company saw the light and said, hey, we can't let this niche die out. And that company is the one that everybody thinks created this, this division. No, Subaru actually did not create this segment. Like I said, AMC helps basically they helped create the Crosstrek marketplace. Subaru just pushed it out there. It's kind of like the uh, the difference between who invented the minivan. The Stout Scarab, well, let's just say that was a concept, but that essentially was the first minivan. The first mass-produced minivan was actually the Volkswagen Microbus, but they didn't call it a minivan back then. They called it the Microbus. Why? Because it was a small van. Essentially, it was a bus. A microbus, right? Well, Dodge did that with a caravan. Is it a car? Is it a van? No, it's a caravan. They didn't create the market, but hell, they sure took the world by storm when they created the caravan and the town and country. Subaru did that back in the day with their old GL all-wheel drive. Now, if any of you people have actually ever seen the original Cannibal Run movie, take note, and I do mean take note of this, that Jackie Chan was the co-pilot of one of those old Subaru all-wheel drive justies that went full-scale off-road. Now, that was just a standard hatchback, but it's a hatchback with all-wheel drive, something unheard of back in those days. Vehicles back in those days with all-wheel drive were just considered all-wheel drive hatchbacks. But what were they spawning? What were they helping build? What were they creating for a future generation? They were building us all up, kind of like Hyundai did with the Pony back in the day, to their next release, the Legacy Lifted Wagon, or as they call it down under, the Subaru Outback. Yes, that was the next spawn in foray into the Crosstrek marketplace. Subaru was doing it yet again. Where AMC failed, Subaru was going to flourish. And Subaru used this Outback and their spokesperson, the Crocodile Dundee, to help push the Subaru Outback into main place. Everybody started seeing it. Nobody actually saw it as a lifted legacy. Because essentially, that's all the Outback ever was. The Outback is not its own brand. It's not its own model. It's essentially just a Subaru legacy lifted with body cladding and different name. Yeah, that's all it really is. It's basically like the difference between 
between a Chrysler Town and Country and a Dodge Caravan. Slap a different logo and some extra chrome on it, and you move a caravan to a Town and Country. Well, add some plastic body cladding, lift the suspension, and you move a legacy to an Outback. And that's also rooted. Now, they kept with this for years. The Outback. It stayed with the lineup. Hell, it's still with the lineup. But unfortunately, some other car companies started to see that they can make money at this. Why? Because we were heading out of the minivan craze of the 90s and into the SUV craze of the late 90s, early 2000s. But companies like Audi and Volvo weren't willing to place all their bets on the SUV marketplace. Why? The SUVs were heavy, they used lots of gas, and they were expensive to build at that time. But lifting an Audi A6 wagon and calling it the all-road quattro was an easier way to utilize an existing platform and existing technology to help build their own Crosstrek model. And that's exactly what Audi did. They did that back in 2001 with the Audi All-World Quattro. Amazing looking, well, I shouldn't say amazing looking vehicle, an amazing vehicle. Because back then, the All-Road was essentially just a lifted wagon. But it wasn't lifted at the factory. No, you lifted it yourself. And just like the Porsche Cayenne that slowly came out after that, the suspension system was movable by yourself inside the cockpit. Yeah, push the button, you get extra ground clearance. So when you're going to camp and it's muddy in the springtime, you don't have to worry. You just lift the suspension and go a little deeper into the bush. Now, we all know eventually Audi succumbed to their, their interest into the SUV or as we call it these days, the crossover utility craze that is now upon us because the SUV is no longer existent because SUVs are body on frame sport utility vehicles. They are the Jeeps of the world, the Toyota Land Cruisers of the world, the Land Rovers of the world. Those are SUVs. The Audi Q7, that is a crossover utility vehicle. That is the next step after the all-road. So like I said, they eventually went into it. Now, taking a look at the Crosstrek market, Subaru was still in it and they were going even further. They were saying, how much more money and how further can we push this segment? They took this segment to the next level back in 2004 when Subaru released the brand new Outback Sport. Amazing, huh? No, it wasn't. The Outback Sport, all it was, it's just an Impreza. It's the Impreza hatchback of that time. All they did is they lifted the Impreza hatchback, put some more cladding on it, gave it a little bit more ground clearance, and slapped the Outback logo on it, and bam, you got a brand new cross track for the Subaru lineup. You got more money. You got the Subaru Outback Sport. Great looking car. Hell, I got one on my own actual list. And, and no, I don't have my list on the website. It, it's slowly coming. I got, what do I got? Like 5,000 cars in that thing? And the Subaru Outback Sport 2004 one is actually on that list. It's one of those great cars from back in the day. Now, 2004, this is when the major change started coming from car companies around the world. They started seeing as soft rotors as the next phase in vehicle development. The minivan was slowly dying out because nobody really wanted to drive them. Hell, if you take a look back at our blog from back in June of 2018, you may find a funny article about our two weeks of having to drive a brand new 2017, well, 2017 Dodge Caravan. Oh, God. Like I said, I drive a Mazda CX-9 at home. I am a man minivan person and not a straight minivan person. Sure, it's easy to get into and out of a minivan rather than a crossover utility vehicle, especially for people in the back seat. Well, I'm the driver. I don't really get in the inside the back and I don't really care. They may be more beneficial in some categories, but we really don't like minivans. And a lot of people are starting to see that. They started to see the minivan as that dormant dying thing. Sort of like how all of us near the late 80s started seeing the station wagon as 
as a dying breed of vehicle. Sure, it's still around, but just like the Cooper Convertible, the wagon is a dying breed of vehicles. Not dying as fast as Cooper Convertible, but getting pretty close. The Crosstrek, by 2004, more people were starting to see the benefits of owning a Crosstrek model within their brands. Why? You're taking existing technology that you have, you're adding an all-wheel drive system to it, and raising the suspension. By most cases, one to two inches. That's it. That's it. Think about it. You already have all this stuff developed within your product lineup or crossover utility vehicles or other soft rotors. So why not underpin your wagon, sedan, or hatchback models with this? Call it a trekking, cross track, sport, hell, call it whatever you want to call it. It's still a cross track version of that model. And guess what? These car companies get to sell it to you at a premium, just like special editions. So are they dumb? No, they're not dumb. They're damn smart. And by the early 2000s, car companies started to see this. Hell, take a look at the 2000 Saab 93X. It was moving after the Audi Allroad and Volkswagen Cross Country. It was moving into the premium category of the Crosstrek market. They wanted a piece of the pie. And like we said, Volvo didn't start out in an SUV. They didn't move into the crossover utility vehicle until the XC80 came out. Cross Country is where they got their basically their foot into the soft rotor market. They took their safe wagons as they were already and lifted them a little bit higher off the ground. Why? Because Volvo's a safe company. Saab was like that too. Saab unfortunately had that horrible, horrible corporate owner of General Motors who basically just used it as a cash grab for technology for their own models. They stripped them of all their dignity and left them to die. And that's why Nevs is now their owner of Saab. Sorry, General Motors, but we really didn't have any liking for what you did to Saab, Daewoo, hell, you almost killed Suzuki off. And I am actually pissed about the Suzuki deal because I can no longer get parts for my Suzuki thanks to you pulling them from the market, General Motors. Now, Saab, on the other hand, this 93X did an amazing job with their soft roads. They want to enter the market. They were looking to enter the CUV craze. They later entered that, utilizing the help Oldsmobile. But until then, they had the 93X. Now, this is 2010, back in eight years ago. Then, start keep moving on. 2010 is the beginning of it. Because from 2010, we started seeing all-track models from Volkswagen. We started seeing stepway models from Dacia. We started seeing trekking models from Fiat. We started to see X-Cross from MG. MG just came back, for God's sakes. By 2013, they had an X-Cross model. Why? Because China, China loves the Crosstrek model, and they're demanding them. And then we get 2013, the rehash of the Subaru Outback Sport as a brand new sub-brand model. The Subaru XV Crosstrek. It now has its own name. It now has its own image. But like we said, unfortunately, this thing is just an Impreza lifted again. But they took a lot of the body cladding off of it to make it seem like it's its own model. Subaru has now given full force to the Crosstrek nameplate, which they have actually been part of since the 80s. Now, Volvo's got the Cross Country. Adam, the Oval Adam Rocks. That is a car we're now actually starting to see micro cars getting into this marketplace. We're starting to see the Volkswagen Beetle Dune Edition. Odd cars. The Ford Fiesta Active. They have the Ford Focus Active. Everybody's getting into it. Why is everybody getting into the Crosstrek model? Hell, they even got a Mercedes E-Terrain. Why is everybody getting into it? Because they're realizing something that Subaru has been making tons of money off of for years. Why are we selling all-wheel drive underpinnings on our standard cars for only an extra thousand dollars when we can actually add a cross-track trekking name to it and command a four to six thousand dollar premium over the base model? It's like a special edition. And that's what car companies are starting to realize. Now we're starting to get into it. We're starting to see companies like Lada with the X-Ray, Ford with the Fiesta and 
Focus, Mercedes E-Class, Mini did it with the Countryman. The Countryman is basically just a Mini Cooper that has been lifted off the ground to go soft-roading. It's a cross-track. Oh, Suzuki has been doing it for a long time. They've been doing it since well before the cross-track even came out from Subaru. They did it with the SX4. And I can say these things are nearly bulletproof and they're pretty damn fun to drive. I know my wife loves driving hers. And you now are getting more and more cross-track models coming up from the likes of even Toyota with the Aqua. Now they're even making their way into the EV platform and even Buick, Buick of all people, is jumping on the cross-track bandwagon with the brand new Buick Regal Tour X. Now we more than likely won't see this model within the North American marketplace as Buick is huge in China and China loves to go soft-roading. That's where these coupe profiles are coming from from SUVs too. Now we've just stated that coupes and convertibles are a dying breed. The Crosstrek, Crosstrek is not a dying breed. The Crosstrek is a model and it is a segment that's going to be here for a while. We don't know how long considering the fact that hell, coupes and convertibles are dying out and they've been around since the beginning of the automobile. So Crosstreks could make their slow wave up but as we move to more autonomous vehicles and we don't care about going off-road, that marketplace might start dying out. I'm sorry but electronic controls within a vehicle could kill off this marketplace. Hell, they can even kill off the crossover utility craze because if you don't need to go soft-roading because you're hailing a vehicle and you're just cruising around the city, why do you need a soft-roader? Because roads are already purpose-built for sedans and the weird-looking pods. Dumb. It's saying we love the fact that AMC helped bring back the amazing go-anywhere features of the Crosstrek models. And you gotta hand it to Subaru for holding their guns and keeping with it and keeping the Crosstrek nameplate alive ever since the 80s. You gotta think about it. it. took them nearly 20 years before that Outback Sport came out and set the world on fire with the Crosstrek. You gotta remember, that was 2004. It really wasn't until about 2012 this market really took off. So, this is ever from Autolux.net stating the fact that Crosstreks are here to stay no matter what you think and no matter how much you care. They're a vehicle to bet on. They're a segment to bet on. That they're gonna be here for the near future. Everett from Autolux.net. Keep following us on our Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Google Plus, hell, even our Autopod podcast through www.autolux.net. And we look to hear all your comments and any questions you may have about the Crosstrek market through our website, Facebook, or Twitter feeds. As Everett's saying, strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride from the Autolux Autopod.